Hello there, I'm Lloyd Scrag and you're listening to the 9320 podcast as we bring you a quick preview of the Leicester game and a discussion of our top four hopes. Joining me today in the ring is Stephen Tudor from the Daisy Cutter. How you doing mate? You been enjoying the nice weather? Yeah, it's been lovely, yeah, which is, uh, always adds to a bit of optimism ahead of uh, a weekend of football. No, absolutely, it's been great. I've had a been in the uh, been in the beer garden a little bit, it's been, it's been lovely. Uh, alas I haven't but yeah I'll make up for it this weekend I'm sure cool right well let's let's get straight down into it then um, so obviously Leicester game this weekend probably our most difficult fixture um, left of the three that we've got and just like last weekend obviously City play early Saturday 12.30 um, which I think probably helps us because uh, Arsenal away at Stoke later that afternoon uh, and then Liverpool West Ham uh, on Sunday with United at White Hart Lane as well on Sunday for Spurs' last ever game at, um, at, at, at the lane. So that you know that could be really decisive. Do you think, going into this game, kind of like last weekend, do you think the timing of our fixture being early in the weekend, do you think that helps us or do you think it's a bit of a hindrance? It'll help us if we win. Um, if we can put a marker down, get the points on the board and put a lot of pressure on those around us, then it's a huge plus to go first. Um, generally speaking, I'm not a fan of lunchtime kickoffs. I always feel kind of extra pessimistic ahead of them because I just feel, well, it's not just City. I think teams in general, they're just not really, you know, flying out of the blocks uh, at half 12 kickoffs. But look at last Saturday, look at how we played. I think that was one of our most complete performances of the season. So, um, yeah, there's no worries uh, in that regard. The opponents are a concern, but the lunchtime kickoff uh, isn't. What about yourself? Yeah, I, I, I always find that with, with 12.30s. It's like the performance against Palace, it only really took until the second half that we really got motor in. Mm. And um, I've seen a lot of players give interviews where they say it's, it's quite difficult with 12.30s because your whole routine of um, getting up and preparing with your pre-match stuff and what you eat pre-match, having like pasta for breakfast is really weird. Yeah, um, I remember Rooney complaining about that on Twitter. Yeah, 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 that was that was probably it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like you said, I don't know, it's, it, it, it's a big plus and it's a big bonus. I think the plus for us is that all the other teams around us have probably got comparatively more difficult fixtures. Yeah. Um, Liverpool away at West Ham. Uh, I know they've struggled there, but they did just beat um, did just beat uh, Tottenham the other week. Obviously, United going to White Hart Lane. Um, hopefully, that should be a Spurs at least a Spurs win, probably maybe a draw, and then Arsenal away at Stoke as well. So, yeah, I'd, I'd be confident. But as we'll get on to, um, you know, it's Leicester, and uh, we've struggled a bit with Leicester recently. So, mm. but yeah, on on Leicester. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts on them? Because as I just said, you know, in our last three games against them, kind of since they became the team that they are, we've had two really heavy losses, um, quite embarrassing losses as well, and a nil-nil draw um, away this season they won the title. And it just kind of seems to me that that style of football is just the perfect way to set up and sit in against a City team and uh, and catch them on the break. What, what, what are your thoughts on Leicester? You bit, um, do you think they're going to pose a real challenge? Yeah, they will. Uh, and you're absolutely... Absolutely right. I think, you know, we, we tend to kind of be susceptible to a quick break and they are one of the best exponents of that. Um, I think we've played into their hands in the last two times we've played them um, early this season and, you know, latterly last season. And hopefully, um, I read a really interesting thing on a forum where someone said this will really be a good litmus test for Pep, who 
is known for learning from his mistakes. Yeah. And we'll see this weekend if indeed he has learned from, you know, a, a big mistake against Leicester early this season. Um, I mean, they're weakened. They're seriously weakened. They've got half their spine out. So missing Morgan and they're missing Drinkwater, who's integral to them. Mm. Uh, Mendy's out. Reportedly, Hoof, the caveman's out. Um, but that's touch and go. But let's say he is. Let's look on the bright side. Then that's a back two out. So with them being weakened, we can really have a go at them. But, you know, we've seen it as a pattern throughout the whole season of struggles to convert chances. If it's a case of us creating lots of chances and not scoring, I do fancy Leicester to get something the other end. Do you think, kind of like what you said with um, Pep learning, do you think do you think there's no chance that Pep will go back to a back three this, uh, this weekend? I hope not. And I can't say it. I was thinking about that earlier, about... I mean, there's two ways of looking at it. Not not with Saturday so much, but perhaps once you know top four is secured and maybe hopefully secured at least, and maybe last game of the season, you think will he go to a back three just to kind of you know almost preview it for next season and just have another look? But he doesn't have a players for it, I don't believe, and it doesn't really work with the personnel that we have. So it would be self defeating for him to do that. So I can't see it. I mean, if if, if talking about team selection, I think. We might even see it for the first time this season an unchanged side. I think if there is going to be someone dropping out, it could be Fernandinho and maybe play someone Zabaleta there right back. Purely because if Leicester start with Gray, I think he's very similar Gray to um, Zaha from last week. Yeah. Of course, there's you know lots of problems. So I can't see much changes uh, afoot this weekend. I mean, I could be completely wrong. This is Pep Guardiola we're talking about, but yeah, I, I sh- should be. A back four, and I think it will be the same eleven as what started from last week. Can you do you disagree with that, or do you, can you see the same? I'd yeah, I'd see the same. I think what you touched on is probably right. The only concern I would I would have is I there are massive advantages to playing Fernandinho at right back, which is that when mm-hmm. teams sitting against us at the Etihad like they do, it gives us that extra um, that extra passer from those kind of deeper areas and and Fernandinho can come in field and join join with play down the right-hand side. But converse to that, um, I think we saw, especially in the first half, Zaha gave Fernandinho quite a lot of trouble and positionally. Yeah. He had a lot of space as well, Zaha, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Working. And he kind of, th- I think he, he had a few opportunities where he ran down blind alleys, but it was I was a bit nervy watching it thinking, oh no, I've, we've seen this before with Everton, with uh, Middlesbrough, with... Uh, with those kind of teams that came to the Etihad, so that would be that would probably be my only problem position. But even so, I, I, what are the other options? I mean, I actually think Navas has been quite poor when he's played right back. I know that might be controversial, um, and I'm not sure I'd want Zabaleta up against um, or Brighton or Gray or whoever it'll be. And undoubtedly Vardy spinning in behind. So mm. yeah, do you, do you think would you go for Fernandinho? Personally, I would. And I'd be happy to see him there, but I could definitely see the logic in playing, you know, a, a specialist right back. Um, so we'll have to see on that one. And like you say, there is a possibility of a back three. I just can't envisage it. I, I think it'll be a risk, and I think it'll be an unnecessary risk as well. Um, because right now, you know, if there is a time to play safe uh, and look to the familiar, and, and I'm talking there about, you know, formations that the players are most comfortable in it's now isn't it because you know it's just a result game now we just need to get a win on a Saturday 
Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Well, let me pose this to you, though. Um, so, obviously, Aguero's trained for the last uh, two days, and I, obviously we assume we'll train today. We're recording before the Pep's press conference. Mm. Do you not think there's a chance he could play Aguero and Jesus together again? Because, obviously, he he has spoken about it a lot in, in the press, and we kind of thought, oh, you know, he's just, just kind of thrown that out there to, to, to kind of get the fans a bit excited. But then he did, did do it away at Borough. Do you not... Could you not see that as a possibility? But, I mean, if that is the case, he's he needs that back three then, doesn't he? He, he needs to kind of, you know, restructure the rest of the team around playing, a, a, you know, two up front. Um, so I, I can't see that. And, and, you know, coupled with the fact that um, Sergio's coming back from injury, um, I'd be surprised if he started uh, with both this Saturday. It could be one or, you know, or the other. Um, and I, I would sway towards Jesus starting with uh, Sergio on the bench. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. I just think that before the season's end, I think he'll probably want to have at least one more look at both of them together. Definitely. I, I agree with that. And, and like I say, that's why you know it goes back to the, the back three kind of argument there and whether he will kind of uh, reintroduce that before the season's end. Um, so that, that kind of leads me to think that he might well do. Um, and, you know, of course, getting top four is crucial in, for, for so many reasons but you know a side issue as well is precisely that that if we can secure top four and we do have that game to spare um or if it's very very unlikely you know that we're going to let it slip on the last game of the season then it does give pep an opportunity to to experiment and to just have a look and and you know as regards to next season uh, and precisely what we're talking about there with with playing jesus and sergio together so um that would be a huge benefit too no, definitely. I think we do. We do need to see them together again because that Borough game was just a bit of a shambles. Uh, yeah. And if we... well, how much of that, Lloyd? Do you think was was it a shambles because it was a poor performance, or was it a shambles because of the structure of a side and that you know I thought they played well together as regards to how they the interplay between them. But how much was it at a cost to the kind of overall performance of a team, or was it just that the players didn't play well that day? I think it was a it was a weird game. It was a bit of a combination. I think the biggest, the glaring thing for me was playing Clichy and Navas at, at fullback uh, wingbacks yeah. because it just didn't Definitely. give it didn't give Jesus and Aguero any time or any sort of um, space to operate in and kind of spring quickly. Every time the ball got to them, it had gone through a few slow phases and they were back with a back four and then a five in front and they were just isolated and yeah it just didn't work I don't really think it was down to them so I'd be I'd be very tempted to play it again especially because um, Pep's going to want to see how Aguero can play alongside Jesus and conversely Jesus with Aguero so yeah I don't think it was down to those two um, but, but who would you play as wing-backs then if that is the case and he plays the two up front and he feels the need to play three at the back I'd probably I'd probably play um, Sterling and Sane and then play Two central midfielders in yeah in Fernandinho and Torre with um a, uh, with Silver and De Bruyne and then a back three but that is an unbelievably attacking team I'm not sure <laughs> I'm not sure against Leicester. Don't think I might well kind of criticise afterwards, but I certainly want to see at the time. <laughs> oh yeah, no against like against West Brom, I think um, you know I, I'd be behind that because I think we know I don't think West Brom poses much threat. Um, in a direct sense in getting behind because the problem with the back three is about getting behind them and Leicester 
exposed that so brutally in the reverse fixture when they were 2-0 up within four minutes. Mm. Um, so, yeah, when West Brom don't have that kind of threat, it's a lot more set pieces and, and stuff like that. So, yeah. Do, I could, do you think um, there's going to be many changes in personnel from Saturday's game and Tuesday's game? I think the really interesting thing to see will be whether company drops out. I assume he will yeah. um, because they'll probably not want to risk it and there is no reason to risk really because the season will be over we'll only have one more match. But I think it'll still be interesting to see. Um, I would imagine the likes of um, Stones will come back in if he's been in training. Um, I'd have thought someone like Delph would have got a game but it seems like he's disappeared again. I don't know what is wrong with that guy. Um, yeah. Seems to have a couple of good games, um, get the fans a bit excited, and then just disappear into thin air. Yeah. Um, but I, I'd expect it to be mostly the same. Um, probably Aguero to play. But yeah, company will be the interesting one. I, 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 like I said, I assume you won't play, but it would just be interesting to see uh, and see what Pep says. What about, what about you? Do you expect similar? I absolutely agree with that. I, I don't think there'll be many changes, and I think when whoever occur will be mostly at the back. Um, I can't see company playing, you know, two games running. Um, he, he missed a couple of days of training, didn't he, this week? Uh, I'm assuming that's just precautionary. Um, oh, did especially it? I didn't at the see that. Yeah, I, I, people were concerned that you know it meant that he was injured, but then you know he came back and trained a full day. So I think he was just basically rested. I mean, the thing with training is, you know, early on in the season, those who go and watch training and they'll report back and they'll say so and so didn't train you can kind of take it as red then that they're not playing that weekend. But at this stage of the season, training literally is just to tick them over. I yeah. mean, it's, you know, it, it, there's no kind of fitness um, issues there. It, it, it is literally just to tick them over. So, you know, it makes sense in that regard to just kind of give him a couple of days rest because what he's done is it's been staggering. It's been immense. Well, for him, it's been, su- it's been such a change, hasn't it? From, uh, from He's not played this consistently in... I think it's pretty much eighteen months. Yeah. So for his body, yeah. it must have been nowhere, a real shock. Obviously, we didn't know. We, we we were always speculating, weren't we? Because none of us know really. You know, it, it is, we're looking at maybe ten people in the world who who know exactly what's going on with Vincent Company and his fitness issues. So we were all speculating, but all we could go on is the evidence of what's before us, which suggested that he would be leaving this summer, and that you know this. Well, there's no nice way of putting this. Kind of, you know, he, he, he was gone. <laughs> you know, he was gone physically. Yeah. Uh, and now he's back. So it's been absolutely fantastic. Um, and if it if he requires a couple of days off from training, if he feels, you know, a bit tight or whatever it is, absolutely got no problem with that. But you know, going back to what we we're saying, I can't see him playing two games in in was it five days, uh, four days, four days. I, yeah. I, yeah. So I can't see that happening. It's just probably a bit of an unnecessary risk. If we had, if we had an FA Cup final, or, or if if he needed games or something like that, then maybe. But even then, I think it's the, the sensible thing would just be to because uh, imagine if we played him and he got injured. I mean, oh, in the last home game of the season, the fans would that yeah. would that would not be a nice send off to to end the season and another episode of Vinny walking off. So I just don't think that don't think the club will take the risk. Well, talking of send offs. Just uh, very quickly, I know uh, this, this isn't specifically about uh, the Leicester game, but more the West Brom game. How do you feel about Yaya Torre at this point? We don't know whether he's, he's staying or going. So it could be his last game. Now, 
it's unrealistic that the club are going to announce anything, you know, in the next few days. But it would be nice if they did, wouldn't it? It would be. Not, I'm not suggesting that it should. I'm just saying it would be nice if they did because we don't know whether it's our farewell to Yaya yeah. against West Brom, and that's a, that's going to be a weird evening in that regard, isn't it? No, it'll be it'll be very weird because obviously you can't really give a proper send off until you know for definite that the that the mm. player's leaving, and we know for definite that Zabala is leaving. So you know that that. That's in concrete, and that'll and he'll get an unbelievable reception. I assume um, he'll probably say something on the pitch. I imagine, yeah, um, at West Brom. But yeah, with Yaya, it's it's weird, isn't it? Because it kind of sounded like a couple of weeks ago he'd, there's been off, he'd been offered a contract. Now it sounds like he hasn't. The big the big mouths, um, Kehi and Selchuk's out again, um, spewing bile. So that would suggest because he doesn't normally talk when things are rosy. Yeah, that suggests exactly. that there might not be a contract on the table, yeah. or City haven't offered it yet. So, what are your views? Would you would you want him on another year, or do you think it's time to shake the hand? Oh, um, going on. This sounds incredibly contradictory. So, apologies in advance. Going going on what I've seen this season, it's pragmatic and and logical to offer him a one year extension, but I wouldn't like that to happen. Um, because Yaya, and, and I may well be in the minority here, but I think Yaya needs to be highly motivated to be the player that you know he used to be. Um, and I think you need circumstances for that to happen, whether it be personal circumstances, so the club doesn't, you know, he feels like he's on his way out and he wants to prove uh, the club wrong, or whether the club is, you know, up there challenging. Um, for the league and it's a you know a home game against Chelsea or whatever I just feel that when things are going okay or not so good but in his personal life everything's fine he just doesn't show it enough for me uh, I, I'm really you know I'm talking week in week out here so with his age and just the, the broader issue of how we'll be looking towards building the team for the future I wouldn't be too upset if, you know, West Brom was his kind of fanfare uh, at the Etihad. Fair enough. Would you not be worried though about? Because the th- the th- I think the thing with Yaya is it's got to be tempered with a bit of pragmatism about the rest of the squad. So say, mm. would you be? Because there's a there's a real real possibility that Yaya, Delph, and F- Fernando all leave this summer. Then you're left with essentially Fernandinho and Gundogan who isn't going to be back until about July, hasn't kicked a ball. Um, yeah. And we're probably only going to sign one centre mid, maybe even we might, I mean, we probably will, but you know, if we, if we, if we want to load other areas, there's a, there's a chance we'd sign a couple of fullbacks who could play centre mid or something. Do you not think, yeah, well, what's your vibe on that? Do you, do you then think we need to keep one of the others or? Well, for me, that, that is the key issue for the summer for me um because you know you could break it down to individuals who were targeted who were looking to kind of move on the key issue for me is the avoidance of precisely what you've alluded to there which is that we might let a player go and then we don't uh, properly replace him um i mean we can extend that to sergio as well uh, i read somewhere that um we were interested in mbappe but only if aguero goes 
what kind of nonsensical story is that? How how does a club even, you know, kind of what? So we get in touch with Monica and say, yeah, we'll pay kind of you know ninety five million pounds for your striker, but only if we get rid of you know our kind of number one striker first. Uh, if you just hold fire and don't sell him on to anyone else in the meantime, you can't go you know go around with logic like that. It's not kind of realistic. So we have to do all this in house. We have to basically secure two quality players for each position next season and just make sure that it's not a case of saying so long yeah yeah oh you know suddenly it's september the first and we haven't replaced him properly um or you know we thought we were going to get this player but it's fallen through or he's moved to kind of you know real madrid or something like that so that's the key issue for me kind of making sure that there's no kind of um that everything overlaps properly um so yeah and yeah you're definitely fitting with that yeah, it's. I I completely agree. It's 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 a it's a really difficult one because we've got potentially three centre mids that are going to leave in a key mm. key position, and I think we've often been guilty in the past of keeping our players too long um, and not then getting the value for them and not moving them on at the right time to then allow for new players to come in and kind of take their mantle. Because if you keep them around too long, you do, and it, I think it did become the case with Yaya. You do become too reliant on that player yeah. um, because they're just they're they're part of the furniture. They're around. Um, so I, I I think you've got. To, I, I don't know who it will be, but I don't think you can get rid of all three. Uh, it kind of looked like Delph, you know, might have pushed his way in, but he's got injured again. So personally, I I if we if it was on the right terms, I'd definitely give Yaya another deal. Um, but then, like you said, you have, you will have the issue of kind of a motivational thing, and you could end up next season having a little bit of a Wayne Rooney problem in that you've got yes, a, definitely. Obviously, he's not the captain, but you've got a great player always on the bench, kind of coming on, looking a bit drab. Um, I'm not really sure whether Yaya can play a bench role. He's mm. he, he's he's kind of the player that I think is always you've got to have him in there from the start. I mean, he could, you know, come on and try and nick you a goal, but he's not really. We're not really using him in that manner now. He's playing the deepest, the deepest uh, role in our midfield. So it's a difficult one. I don't envy Pep, and there are there are question marks across the rest of the squad as well. But I, the, my thing would just be can't get rid of all three because we just leave ourselves too little on numbers. Yeah, absolutely. It is. It's it's a complicated business this summer, and made even more complicated by the fact that the players and the positions that we're after are the same players and positions that a lot of our rivals are after too. So we're in for a fascinating summer, I think, and a very expensive summer too. Oh, very expensive. <laughs> Cheeky can have his checkbook out, that's no doubt. <laughs> right, so just to finish up on Leicester, um, I'm going to be controversial. Would you take a point if it was offered to you? Um, as, as regards to securing top four, yes. As regards to, you know... For some reason, I'm really looking forward to this game. I, I just, I'm, I'm not a fan of Leicester City. I don't like Leicester City. Um, I don't like, you know, for all the obvious reasons, all the reasons that other people don't like them, the way they dealt with Ranieri, um, and just, a, you know, Jamie Vardy, basically. So <laughs> I'm not a great fan of him. So for some reason, I'm really relishing uh, this Saturday, and I would love to avenge the last two defeats. Um, but yeah, if I'm stepping back and looking at securing top four, then a point wouldn't be the end of the world. I mean, you, as you said earlier, our rivals have really tricky games this weekend, um, and 
yeah, I, I think we'll have enough about us to, to get top four. I've, but having said that, just to completely counter that, should we win? And then it puts so much pressure on Liverpool and United. Yeah, I can't see both of them getting wins. And if should United lose, very tricky game at YR Lane, um, then they're out. Like, you know, we've we've knocked one out, um, yeah. and and suddenly then with our win, all the media emphasis will move on to it's between Liverpool and Arsenal. Exactly. Now, I think that's very important in going into the last week. You know, with all the focus on them, all the pressure on them, um, and with, with us being left with two very winnable games. So. Yeah, it's it's very important that we win on Saturday. It wouldn't be the end of the world if we don't. No, I completely agree. I think I actually think, yeah, that's pretty much it. Because it, a draw pragmatically, and if you're another fan, you might say that might be a good result. But the but the other side to that is that if we get if we only get one point, it kind of leaves us then with no margin for error, and it opens the yeah. door. Um, and I know Arsenal, if they if they win, they'd still be a point off us, and we've got superior goal difference. But it then just leaves you in a in a one game swing where you never know a late a late goal by uh, West Brom or Watford. It could it could literally knock you out. So I think it's a real importance to, like you said, if we if we get the win, there's a very there's a very good chance that both Liverpool and Arsenal won't win. They've both got away games that you know not. You know, amazing sides but you know mid-table teams that could definitely beat easily beat a top team on their day if they don't turn up so yeah I mean I'd want to like you said go for the jugular I, I don't like Leicester either um, don't like Vardy uh, yeah. so yeah I'd, I'd, let, let's go for the win eh? and also as well because um, I've not seen this kind of said I, I think this ties in with the inherent pessimism from football fans where we tend to look at, at our own fixtures and think oh that's a dangerous you know, game or yeah, yeah. slip up there <laughs> but if you look at say Arsenal and Liverpool their last games of the season or sorry the second to last for Arsenal theirs is at home to Sunderland Liverpool's is at home to Middlesbrough now your instincts as a you know, rival fan who needs them to kind of lose is out they'll coast that three points in the bag for them well both of them are against sides who are already down they've got nothing to play for all the pressure will be on Arsenal Liverpool and that you know the away ties will just come out and play so it's not inconceivable that it could drop points there so even if this weekend doesn't go well or if, it, if the status quo continues I still fancy us because you know we're in good position right now yeah okay well just just looking at the top four if we move to that um so, as the land lies at the moment, we've got Liverpool on 70 points, but they've got a game in hand on both us and Arsenal. City on 69, and then Arsenal on 66. Kind of like what we said before, do you think, if you had to say now, do you think seven points would be enough to, to get us in the top four? Bearing in mind that Liverpool have got West Ham and Borough, and Arsenal's games of Stoke, Sunderland and Everton. Yeah, because, I mean, seven points would require and I'm terrible at maths so apologies but I think that would require basically Arsenal to need to win up all the other three games Arsenal would have to I think to beat us by one point yeah Yeah. and I I just can't see that happening Um, and the same goes for Liverpool too so seven points definitely would be enough which again plays into the fact that if we draw this Saturday it's still in our hands you know or realistically at least it's still in our hands Um, but yeah let's look to the positive side and say that should we get three points against Leicester this Saturday I think we've, we've you know obviously still got a lot of work to do but I think we're there do you think we should be finishing third from here then really 
That should be I'd the like, target, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because you know, I've heard a lot of Blues and a lot of Liverpool fans as well um, say, you know, it's fourth okay. It's because, you know, if you can't beat the likes of, say, Stour, Bucharest, whatever, you shouldn't be in the Champions League. So if you can't get through that qualifying game, but it's a timing of a qualifying game, Absolutely, you know, it can, yeah. it can trip you up and all the kind of... Um, Preparation is thrown out of kilter, and and you know preseason friendlies have to be arranged, you know, around it, and and you know everything. It, it's just, and and of course, then it happens right in the first week of the season, so it, it's not ideal by any stretch. So if we can avoid that, that would be absolutely ideal. No, Bob, on I actually think I actually think the qualifier this year was a real hindrance to us. Um, mm. It came at a, a really crap. It came it comes at such a crap time, and we looked. It, it, it had us looking a little bit leggy in kind of October um, when other teams were really starting to hit their stride. We looked like we were just a little bit over the hill because we played. It's not just the two games. It's the way that you then have to restructure all the games. And it threw us off because we were changing teams slightly around it. Yeah. Um, some players got overplayed. Some like Kolarov had played pretty much every game until that Spurs game. And then in that Spurs game, just when when Spurs were fresh and came out, we just looked leggy and they caught Absolutely. us in that first 10 minutes. So yeah. I think we want to avoid that at all costs. Uh, leave it to an Arsenal or Liverpool and let them bugger it up and then <laughs> imagine that with Wenger. Oh, God. I mean, he probably wouldn't, but that would be beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, what also throws uh, as an issue as well is the kind of you know, the transfers and, you know, you can't be saying to a player, like, come and join us. Oh, but I want you to be in the Champions League. Well, we are. Ah, but, you know, what if you'd get knocked out in that quality? You know, it's a grey area then, isn't it? So you want to be securely in the Champions League, go strong this summer, go for the best and say, right, you know, we can offer you Champions League football. We're going for the title this year. Come, there's this much money. <laughs> come and join us. You don't want to be saying, oh, as long as we get through this kind of, you know, two-legged tie, then we can offer you Champions League. So there's also that issue. Absolutely. And, Monaco were in the uh, they were in the the qualifier draw last year. We could have got them. So there are good mm. teams knocking. I mean, we got lucky with Bucharest. So yeah, you just don't want to take that risk. Um, so I assume you think City will finish in the top four. Who do you think? Who do you think will be the other team if you had to hedge your bets now? It's a four point difference, but I would go for Arsenal over Liverpool. I think Liverpool are starting to look very very shaky indeed. Um, and you know, away at West Ham this Sunday they're going to really need to raise their game there because West Ham are just finding a bit of form at the right time for them um, and then I don't know why it's based purely on cut instinct but I've just got a feeling of some kind of draw or something against Middlesbrough so yeah I, I wouldn't I, I'd much rather um, Arsenal than fancy them because I, I just think they're starting to kind of um, find a solidity about them and a bit of t- togetherness about them and, and just wanting to prove people wrong. I mean, ultimately, that's one of the greatest multi- motivations around in life and as well as football, to prove people wrong. And Arsenal have been the whipping boys, haven't they, now for the mums. Just everyone just laughing and mocking and, and diving in on them. And I think they've had enough, quite frankly. And I think the players have just kind of got together and said, right, let's just show people. So they're a force to be reckoned with, I think, from now until the season's end, whereas Liverpool are a fading force. I, I actually agree. I think, obviously, the difficulty is it's in Liverpool's hands, so Liverpool have got to balls it up. Um, if mm. Liverpool win out, they're in. But, yeah, like you, I don't know what it is. I've just got a feeling that they'll they'll draw one of those matches. I mean, that game the other weekend, Southampton, 
I mean, I know Southampton are a good side, but you'd expect them to put to, uh, to put them to the sword. But they really struggle at home to break teams down. So, and it's weird. Arsenal, oh, they're they're such a they must be the most frustrating team in the world to support <laughs> yeah. Arsenal. But yeah. they always they always finish strong. Um, and you wouldn't be surprised to see them to get fourth and Wenger to roll out the. Wow, that's twenty consecutive years. Of <laughs> Oh, there'll be a bus tour of that, won't there? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. But yeah, I'd 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 probably go Arsenal. Yeah. Okay, right, just before we wrap it up, um thought it'd just be interesting to get your thoughts quickly on who because voting's about to come around, who would be your player of the year um for this season? Oh, it's it's a tricky really... one because no one has really stood out. No. singularly across the whole season you, you can look at kind of five or six players who are you know you would think are the main candidates and all five you say right they had a great spell there they had another good spell there they dipped there they were left out of the team for a spell there so you know how can you go for a, a, someone who, for player of the year if he's been left out for spells and if he've had kind of you know off form as well um, but I'm just going to go for I'm going to go for Raheem. I'm going to go for Raheem Sterling because of how he's transformed his game in the last 12 months, how he's proved people wrong. And when you look back 12 months at him, you know, the abuse he was getting in the media and the criticism he was getting from England fans for his, his poor Euro performances to now, then that deserves a lot of merit. So I'll, I'll go for Raheem. Yeah, you know what? I think I, think I would too. Um, it's it's just, it's difficult because I think if the if the vote was taken about a month month and a half ago, mm. I think almost everyone would have said Sterling. Yeah. But Silver's kind of really come into it, kind of like with when you have these late um, uh, player nominations for Players Player of the Year, the player yeah. that kind of comes into the form at, at that t- at the time of the year of the voting always is just in people's minds and I think Silva's been consistently really good anyway but in the last kind of two months he's just gone back to that level that we that we knew um, that he was in that 11-12 season and he's shown so consistently across his career yeah absolutely I mean ideally there'll be two awards and Raheem would get player of the year and David would get player of a lifetime (laughs) just like a lifetime achievement award well it's funny you should say that because I reckon I don't know whether we do a player's player of the year, but every single player that talks about uh, David Silva, uh, Zabaleta, Dzeko, like everyone, they all say he's the best player they've ever played with. So I wouldn't be surprised if there was a player's player that Silva would win and maybe Raheem would win uh, the fans. That would that, that would be a good way to do that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, those players are priceless to, to their, their teammates, aren't they? You know, the Silvers and, um, you know, I wrote, this week about Lahm at Bayern Munich and how next season, you know, Munich players as good as they are and you know internationals world class. There's going to be times where they're they're going to play themselves into trouble. Look up and Lahm isn't there to dig them out of the hole. Yeah, uh, and just a little bit of him will die. Uh, and and the same goes with David Silva. You know the amount of times it must happen over the course of 90 minutes where a player just takes an extra touch or just makes the wrong decision or a player just takes him by surprise and closes him down quicker than he thought. Looks up, there's David every time there's David so and you know as well that when you release it to him he's going to kind of you know find room and then just kind of switch play or whatever it is so you know I'll adore him um, as, as much as we do no same he's, he's my favourite ever player so 
mm, I, would, I wouldn't mind either of them getting it to be honest but I think it would be oh it's difficult because I, I feel Silver probably he, Silver lacks recognition with awards um, like that he doesn't obviously I think he gets an, a lot of praise from City fans but he doesn't kind of get the tangible prize at the end of a season or yeah. nomination but then conversely I think the, the transformation in Sterling has been so stark and equally I think if because of some of the issues that some fans have with Raheem I think if, if, if he were to win that would be it would probably be a much bigger boost to him personally than it would uh, Silver so but yeah, yeah like that's I, a statement exactly but like I said you know I, I wouldn't mind either way yeah cool nice one Steve right well um, thanks for joining me anyway mate and um, thanks everyone for listening we'll be back after the uh, Leicester game and before West Brom uh, for a discussion of both Um, so until then uh, see you later thanks for listening